1: Games rated E for
2: everyone. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here. Your personal astrophysicist. This is Sports Edition, and I got with
3: me my co-host, one of two for this format. Chuck Nice. Chuck, how you doing, man? Hey, man. Yeah, Sports Edition. I'm the guy who, uh, in whatever iteration of sports, I'm the guy bringing the water. <laughs> is that what you do yeah, that's Gatorade that's, I'm the Gatorade guy <laughs> uh, that's me uh, uh, uh. hey how you doing you thirsty you thirsty you need some, you need some electrolytes there buddy to squirt it into your mouth yeah come we here got,
2: yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right we got Gary O'Reilly Gary from the, I from the UK you're with us stateside now I think but you're
1: I am uh, originally
2: yes. the UK uh, played uh, mm-hmm. professional soccer there uh, for professional yep. football, I guess they call it. And you were an yes. announcer there. So we're delighted yeah. to have both of those features within you for this. So, Gary, just tell me what you got up your sleeve for today.
1: Um, something we take for granted, Neil. Imagine surfaces. We, we engage with so many everyday smartphones, our clothing, footwear, kitchens, even paint. But what is happening at a molecular level? Oh, when... they're all
3: disgusting. That's exactly. what's happening at <laughs> a molecular level. They're all nasty.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, we'll we'll see if that's the case. I mean, is it material science? <laughs> well, wait, wait, is it physics? Chuck, I didn't know you had such strong
2: opinions about molecules. This is this. <laughs> I do, especially when
3: they form bonds that actually.
2: hurt. Oh God, and
3: molecular you know? bonds.
2: Okay. okay, go on, go on, Gary. Yeah.
3: We interrupted you.
1: All right. So I mean, it, and then we'll get to the friction, which happens when certain surfaces connect, and then we have biomimicked so much from Mother Nature and tried to recreate her work. And we've even taken these inventions into space. So we'll go there as well. Um, But really right now, what we need is someone who could Paint drying seem interesting, okay. and I think what we have <laughs> is just the person. So, Neil, if you would like to introduce our guest today, then uh, we'll go. Well, oh, well,
2: I'd be happy to. So, we've got Laurie Winkless. Laurie, did I pronounce that correctly?
4: Perfectly, Neil. Yeah, well done.
2: <laughs> a- a- excellent. You're coming to us with an Irish accent, but. At the moment, you're in New Zealand. I am. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you for for hanging with us, even though you're on the other side of the earth, at some uh, unholy time of day uh, in, in this interview. Because it's a regular time of day for us. Oh, it's all I'll good. It's almost that. 9 a.m. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. Okay, 9 a.m. on a, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow yeah, in the future. For, for us.
3: She's from the future. She's from the future. <laughs> you're rather Sprite to be coming to us from it's the future. It's much better here.
2: <laughs> Early morning tomorrow. Uh, you have a background in yes. physics and in space and in working in national labs. Uh, you're a science communicator, and uh, a lecturer. I love it all. You've got books. Uh, one of them is called, was it science... And the city? Is yeah, that, that was
3: my first book. I love it. A wonderful title.
2: And uh, most recently, what's called "Sticky: The Secret Science of Surfaces," and that sounds all about friction. We've done several shows talking about friction in sports, so um, this will fit right into that to that portfolio. So, so let me let me just sort of start off. I, I think I to start a question I got for you. So, um, I think people want to know about gecko (laughs) feet. By the way,
3: isn't that gecko from New Zealand?
4: There is a gecko in New Zealand, and it's a very unusual one because it lives in the mountains. It's an alpine gecko. Um,
3: No, I, I was talking about the Geico Gecko. <laughs> oh no, not him! We, what, what accent does the Geico Gecko what have? What oh, accent no. does the Geico Gecko he's, have? He's
1: he's in East he's in East London. He's you'll know this, Laurie. There's a soap opera in England called oh, yeah. EastEnders. It's based in the East End of London. We have it here. He, mm-hmm. he yeah, he is one of the cast members. Oh, oh, and he's he's not putting on a voice. That's him. <laughs> That's him. That's just yeah. Oh wait, not the green. Gecko isn't
2: the 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 actor who is that voice is a cast yes. member. Yes. Ge- yes, not the gecko. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said last time I saw EastEnders, I don't remember talking animals. I, I don't remember the gecko. Yeah. Talking <laughs> no. gecko would make it a lot more interesting.
1: All right, Laurie, let's unravel the gecko. Um, so if I've got this right, you've got hairs on hairs, on scales, on toes, yeah, on feet. Yeah, that's pretty
4: much it, actually, Gary. Yeah, uh, the gecko foot, it's All what right. we call a hierarchical structure. So what that really means is that it has features of different sizes that combine together to to give the gecko its climbing superpower, I suppose. So, if you look at a little gecko's toes, um, usually the toes themselves are pretty strong. So, that's often enough to get them to cling on to like a bark of a tree or whatever. Often just to be
2: clear, Laurie, I've never done this. Oh. You said, if you look at a gecko's toes. have never looked at a gecko's toes? toes.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if you... Yeah, I understand that there's a fetish site, site where you can do that. Oh, no. I really hope oh, not. Okay, door, so door, I'll worry. take a step back.
4: Gecko's. Usually have four legs. (laughs) We'll start there. They're little lizards. And they have, depending on their species, like four or five toes on each foot. Okay. So the thing about their toes is, and sometimes if you see them at maybe a zoo or something, if you see them on a glass surface, that's usually the best way to get a real like insight into what's going on. So you've got their little feet, on their toes, their toes are covered in these flaps of skin, and they're called lamellae. They're just stripes of skin. And for the longest time, scientists, you know, we just thought that that was it was to do with those flaps of skin, like maybe they were acting as some sort of like a suction cup, or maybe yeah, they look
3: like a pad. Yeah, in their,
4: exactly. When they're pressed
3: against a flat surface, they look they do they look they kind of like a pad. Out.
4: Yeah, they flatten. Right. out. So, like that was what we thought. That was. All we thought that geckos could do. But, like, as microscopes began to develop more and get better and better, and we could zoom in a bit further, like Gary said, we realized those flaps of skin are actually covered in this very, very dense forest of hairs. And they're called setae. So they're just hairs, but they increase the surface area so much. So it's now not a flat bit of skin, it's a really heavily textured forest of hairs. If you zoom in on the end of each of those hairs you'll find that they actually e- they each have like a really bad case of split ends right so each one of those hairs splays out into lots of other smaller hairs and the ends of those hairs can make such intimate contact with surfaces now when i mean intimate contact i mean getting within 1 nanometer of the molecules that make up the surface. Um, oh yeah. So, so like so what
2: you're saying is the surfaces we might think are smooth, but on the on the very small level they're not. Yeah. Everything so if you have is something rough. small enough yep. to get in the nooks and the crannies, especially exactly. the crannies, yeah. then I don't know the difference between a nook and a cranny, Chuck. You have That's any expensive. insight into that?
3: <laughs> yeah, um, the the nooks are not as delicious <laughs> as the crannies.
2: Okay,
4: but yeah, so, everything is rough. So what you really want to do is you want to increase the contact points as much as possible. If you want to get to to get to touch the surface as much as possible. So like when you will see geckos, and if you see them in the wild, they can climb on everything, you know, they're running across waxy leaves, um, wet rocks, um, they can climb on glass, they can be inverted on sheets of glass, which are a material, it's a material we think of as really smooth. But yeah, as Neil said, on the microscale, it's not smooth. It's very rough and textured. So these tiny hairs can kind of get in there and they can start, it's it's a force called the van der Waals interaction. It's a force that you can only tap into when atoms are close enough together. And that is what the gecko uses. Like the gecko's foot is effectively feeling for electrons in the atoms of whatever the
3: surfaces that they're climbing on. What, what, what you're kind of describing on an atomic level is Velcro. Yeah, yeah. To be <laughs> honest, it's very similar. Yeah. Although vel- it's, it's 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 basically yeah. like it's electric it's, electric it's Velcro. molecular Velcro yeah. with with electrons and yeah. and and looking for a signal rather than just you know clasping together and pulling apart. Yeah,
4: and, the, th- and that, the thing that's even more impressive about the gecko's version of, of this Velcro is that it can detach really quickly. So you know when you're pulling gecko, or pull, pulling geckos apart, don't do that. Yes, when yeah. <laughs> when you're pulling... That's, the,
3: that's <laughs> my favorite, it's my favorite pastime yeah, by no. the way, Laurie. <laughs> when you're pulling
4: Velcro apart, you get that like really loud noise, and it takes quite a lot of force. But a gecko, all a gecko needs to do is it curls its toes back, and that changes the angle that those split ends those hairs are making with the with the surface and that turns off its stickiness instantly so geckos can turn on and off their stickiness depending on the orientation of their toes and that's yeah, why otherwise they, they wouldn't
2: walk. be able to actually walk exactly you, you know you, you place them down and they just get stuck stuck there yeah. forever yeah being right. ultra yeah. sticky
4: isn't that useful to be honest like you want to be able to Turn it on when you need it and turn it off when you want to scarper. So yeah, the gecko like has all of these features that are all working together to get that contact at the atomic level, at the you know really talking about electrons to in order to, to climb. Yeah, they're amazing little so, lizards. Amazing.
1: Um, am I right here? Am I right here, Laurie? Where you get a, a gecko that maybe a half a pound or a pound in weight, right? And you stick mm-hmm. it to the ceiling and then it can hold nearly 300 yeah. pounds of yeah. weight. Yeah, in theory. Now, a, how, A, the question is broke down in two parts, A, how, and B, how on earth do you test that it can hold that much weight without being cruel yeah. to
3: a gecko? Uh, unfortunately, there's a few geckos who gave their life for that experiment. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. This, to be honest, if you look back at the early history of gecko research, there really are a lot of geckos that were treated badly oh. um but in terms of this research it's really based on a measurement taken on a single one of those hairs and then they scale it up to uh-huh. yeah i mean so it's kind of that's why oh. i say in theory right there's this kind of a scaling question um because you know really a gecko shouldn't ever need to with to you know be able to support that sort of force, but why it's so good is because <laughs> it's not usually in a lab, right? Like I said, it's usually running around in the forest. Yeah.
2: On,
3: on well,
2: I, I don't want the Geico company to learn about this. Because <laughs> yeah, they'll make TV commercials where that little Geico gecko is saving people. Yeah. Oh no, we don't want that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Actually,
3: Neil, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so wait, before we, because I know we're going to get off of geckos in a minute. But I'm just fascinated because we're talking about sticky, so I know we got to leave the get go. However, when you look at the design of their anatomy, is that also to disperse their weight yep. so that they can do these things you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, because they good seem question. to be like they they're like super stretched out yeah. with a tiny little skinny body totally
4: they absolutely do the whole animal has a role to play it's not just its toes and um, like for a start they kind of do jazz hands <laughs> when they're when they're trying to get They try to balance out the forces as much as possible. So a gecko... For the (laughs)
2: non-dancers out there, jazz hands are fully open, palm forward, (laughs) all fingers spread. Indeed. It's showtime, Showtime, yeah. Um, But yeah, (laughs) on the
4: ceiling, they'll do that so that their toes are pointing in opposite directions so that the forces are all spread out evenly across all of their toes. And a gecko can very easily just cling with with the single toe. Um, They don't need all of their toes to be perfectly engaged in order to be able to climb. Yeah, they're amazing.
1: just showing I know, isn't off. it? <laughs> so okay. So now once once we've because it's taken us basically till the 21st century to really get a grip on understanding what's keeping a gecko glued to a wall. I see what you did there, Gary, so get a grip on
2: this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank uh-huh. you. I see what and you did
1: And I know these things aren't just thrown together. <laughs> um <laughs> we've mimicked that. And we we came up, we being very smart people, not me, came up with gecko tape. And we have actually gone into space with things based on a gecko's yeah. feet. Yeah, these real things. What, what's, gecko yes. what's gecko tape? Yeah, so
4: ge- gecko tape. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> gecko gecko tape kind of came out of a lab at Stanford, and um, what they've done is they they know that it's it's not possible. We we do not have the ability to recreate the level of complex structure that a gecko has naturally evolved on its toes. But what they can do is they can kind of take some of the essential elements and kind of cheat a little bit, copy a little, copy some of that. Um, And what it looks like really, and I got to play with some myself when I visited, it's it's a silicone rubber. So a very flexible gray rubber. And if you look at it, it just looks quite rough. But if you look at it under a microscope, it's actually covered in tiny little wedges. So it's been patterned with these wedges that are angled. And they're at a similar angle to the setae, these hairs on a gecko's foot. So what they do is You can apply that, if you have that on, say, like a robotic arm for something, you can bring that robotic arm up against, say, a solar panel, if you're on the International Space Station, and you put the gecko tape up against whatever it is you're trying to pick up and you tug it down slightly there's just a little button on the on the system that's that causes those wedges to splay out. So again kind of tapping into the same idea as the hairs, although much, much larger than the hairs. They are not quite as they don't make quite such intimate contact. But because the gecko is so special, it doesn't need to make quite such intimate contact. It can make a little bit of it and it does it does enough. So um you can do that without using like A suction cup, which is usually how we move big, awkward things around. You can do it without using any electricity. There's a lot of grippers that we use, use electricity, electrostatics to pick stuff up. And they don't have any clamping forces. You can actually pick up very delicate things just by putting this gecko tape, the silicone rubber, onto the surface and causing its wedges to kind of splay out and
2: move it around. Forgive me, but the first thing I thought of when you were describing this tape is a new arcade machine where you want to get the toy <laughs> inside the thing. You yeah. just, because you can never get it. Right? You yeah. never get the toy. With the clamp, we get some of your tape. We win. And we Every time. Every time,
4: yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. All the toys are coming home with me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So this is actually used in space, now?
4: Yeah. So it was it was trialled um, initially on the Vomit Comet, um, and then it eventually went up on the International Space Station. I think it's had several trials now on the International Space Station to be used as a as a low gravity gripper, and manipulator. And it's already... Could
2: you please tell the one in a hundred of our listeners, because that's all it will be, what the Vomit Comet is?
4: Oh, yeah. So the Vomit Comet is one of NASA's uh, test facilities. It's a plane, basically, that flies in a parabolic um, path, and it simulates, well, low gravity for short periods of time. So if you want to test something out in low gravity... That's a good way to do it. So they've or, been, or even zero, gravity, or zero gravity. I mean, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah If only yeah. I'd love to have mm-hmm. a go in the Vomit Comet, if anyone's listening. Um, <laughs> but
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's. I'll it
4: put even, in a good word for thanks you. Like, Thank uh, With
2: Dramamine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it is, it is being
4: used, and it's actually already being developed and used in on factories on Earth as well. So they're, they've commercialized some of these grippers to be used in in robotic systems to to pick up awkwardly shaped objects.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's more than cool. So,
2: so tell me about so tell me about the uh, what happens if water is between your thing and the surface? Yeah. Usually, because because water is like the enemy of tape. Yeah. Right. Yes. If you get tape wet, nothing sticks anyway, no how. Yeah. So totally. how, what goes on there? Uh,
3: except for Flex Seal tape, I have to tell you, I've seen it's those. Good stuff.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Water, no water is a problem. You're right, Neil. And. Um, The gecko has evolved to to cope with it because its feet, as well as being amazing for gripping, they're also hydrophobic. So those feet actively repel water. They push water out of the way so that they could make dry, effectively dry contact with whatever surface it's touching. Um, For the silicone tape, again, silicone itself is hydrophobic. So it tries to repel water as much as possible. It's not perfect, but...
3: It wow. works well enough. So let me ask you this, mm-hmm. is there any way to take this type of technology and apply it to tires? Because I could see so many applications for for a safety, as a matter of fact, there was a show called Speed Racer when I was a kid, and one of I them. I remember Speed Racer. You remember Speed Racer? Sa- so oh, yeah. Speed
1: Racer had. You're gonna sing again, aren't you? You're gonna sing. The pair of you are going oh to God, sing. Oh <laughs> Don't make me. Hey, here hey, he comes, comes, speed, here
3: race, comes speed, racer, speed Racer. He's a, <laughs> demon, a demon on, on wheels. Wheels. Okay. 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 <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, One of the things were these super sticky tires that would allow the car to ride on any surface and even stick to the walls, mm-hmm. and of course that can't happen. But or to not lose traction or on not a wet to track. Lose traction on a right, wet because track because they
2: actually stop NASCAR when it rains. Yeah. And if you, and you've got this. All right, sp- but we're gonna do tires in the next. Segment. Okay. Well. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah. let's just do that. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Let's just wait, wait, hold on to that. But put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, Laura, you can hang out. We got two more segments with you, and this is just. Amazing, I, I mean, I I, I want to do the whole thing on geckos. But I do I know too.
3: We got out the topic. <laughs> See, totally. <laughs> Who knew? I have, have never, never been so into geckos in my entire <laughs> life <laughs> Me either. Me neither. It's like,
2: oh, and they, damn. And
3: they come in different colors and
1: <laughs> yeah, different they're sizes. They
2: great. are wonderful little lizards. <laughs> damn. Okay. When we come back, more Star Talk Sports Edition with Surface expert Lori Winkles.
3: We're back, Star Talk,
2: Sports Edition. Uh, we spent an entire segment talking about gecko toes. <laughs> but <laughs> as, as, as interesting as that is to a naturalist, this is Sports Edition, damn it. And I wanna know how are we gonna put gecko feet on rubber for cars and stuff, car races? Can we go there, uh, Gary? Is that some place you can we take? We can me?
1: go anywhere we want. Okay. We got gecko
2: feet and wheels. Let's lay down the rubber right, so on that. We got Laurie Winkless, who's an expert on gecko feet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Laurie, <laughs> is that on your business okay. card? You <laughs> no. Know? Like, you do? What should be?
3: What do you carry around on your business? Card? Oh my god!
2: <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm delighted you're coming to us from New Zealand. a Beautiful countryside. I'm not the first nor the last to say that, and. Um, thank you for uh, coming on the line with us here uh, across the ocean My pleasure. in North America. Yeah. So, so Gary, take, take it over. All
1: right. So he, here's something that may or may not be in people's thinking, but it's a wiki fact. Tribology. I'd never heard of it before, but it is the science and engineering of interacting surfaces in relative motion. It includes the study and application of the principles of friction. Now I hadn't thought of that as a science, but tribology is what we have. Why don't they call it frictionology or something? Why they gotta
2: be obscure about it? (sighs) Yeah.
1: Because the ancient Greeks got there first and they've decided it's tribology. Hmm. All right. Slickology would (laughs) be better. There you go. Yeah. So,
3: have you ever heard of that, Lori? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So,
4: the, a lot of the a lot of this book is about tribology, and um, the short version is like it's the science of rubbing and scrubbing. <laughs> That's how it's often described. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. yeah, I love it. Which I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, I got
3: to tell you, that s- sounded a little uh, sexual there, Lori. Yeah. That's well, I mean, saying, there's yeah. an entire
4: chapter on lubrication as well, Chuck. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> there's plenty of opportunity <laughs>
2: for innuendo. <laughs> all, right. All, right. all
3: right. All right. None all of this is so- making the show. <laughs> all right. What we, well, we've known, and we
2: and we've had shows on this very topic is that uh, professional auto racing often, in fact, I might say all the time, leads automotive technologies with innovations that ultimately filter their way back to commercial vehicles. And, but uh, we look at the tires as far as it, you know, I see all the rest of the technology, they're still using rubber tires on the track. Is that, am I missing something there? What's either NASCAR or especially Formula One, where the full rubber tire is right. sticking out, all all bare. Yeah. What? What's what? When are the latest we getting on...
3: gecko? When are we getting gecko feet on gecko. our Formula One cars? Yeah. And listen, right. if you think about it, when you look at racing slicks, okay, they're they're kind of a they've got to be a significant weight factor to the car, you know. So yeah. maybe that's something if you want to lighten the load, gecko feet tires would be a great way to do it.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a funny one. The the main problem with echo Tape is that it's not very robust. So it's not actually very good. It wouldn't be very good under the weight of like a Formula One car or even just the Formula One tire, like you said. Um, But I should say that they use rubber because it also, if it's designed well enough and if the track is smooth enough, it also can tap into those same forces, the Van der Waals forces. um, Because like those big, formula one slick tires they can make a similar intimate contact with a racetrack that a gecko can make with a wall like racetracks are- it's
2: because they're soft yeah. at some levels right i mean that's why they're called rubber right yeah. i mean they're they, they fill in the any little microscopic
3: gas
4: yeah exactly like tire- what's up baby
3: <laughs> this is your this is your tire how you doing just trying to make a little intimate contact, <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> you know. Just oh, one dear. after hours. Sorry, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Laurie. <laughs> but so, uh, Laurie, so when you've got a, a Formula One race car, and I mean, people like Lewis Hamilton will hammer the pedal down, and this thing's gone over two hundred yeah. miles per yeah. hour. Plus, with a Formula One racetrack, you've got all sorts of curves, bends. I mean, a tyre will go through all of these different forces, like deformation, torque, all the rest of it. How are you ensuring that it's still able to tap into those van der Waal forces? The yeah, the really
4: good question. Um, the main, the main, there's two main ways that a tire makes contact with the road, and one of them is the way that normal tires make contact with the road, which is kind of what Neil said. It's about the rubber. Rubber is this material called it's a viscoelastic material, so it's something a bit like a very viscous or sticky fluid, and an elastic solid. So it's kind of sits somewhere in that range. And what it means is that tyre rubber flows into all of those bumps and crevices and all of the, you know, roughness on a racetrack. And as it flows, it, it makes a kind of a frictional interaction. And that is mostly how tires work. That's mostly how like road tires will grip to the road. But Formula One tires are usually flat, very, very particular compounds of rubber, like particularly their stickiness, their uh, viscosity has been very well defined. Um, And they're huge, right? This massive uh, surface area that makes contact with the track. The track is usually also very smooth, so it can also tap into that van der Waals interaction, assuming the rubber can can actually just flow properly into the track. Now, sometimes you'll see a Formula One driver and they talk about this. They talk about this in other motorsport too, about laying down some rubber right? This idea of actually like the tire degrading intentionally. Formula One is totally based on that. Those tires are designed to degrade. They're designed to leave tiny thin layers of rubber on the track because that increases the grip for the next time you go around the track. You lay down the rubber increase the friction between your tire the next time you pass by. But like on a normal car, you do not want your rubber to be degrading over the course of a few kilometers, right?
2: Yeah, because they change their wheels in an F1, you know. Exactly.
4: Uh, yeah. And Formula right. One tires, like the cost, I can't even, I don't even know how much okay. it would cost.
2: Yeah, you, you don't want to have to change your wheels on the way to, you know, to to the 7-Eleven, you know. No,
1: it's, no. <laughs> yes, you know what yeah. Chuck Do you know when you're talking about you want gecko tires yeah. right gecko feet on on a tire have have they lorry down exactly that because a formula 1 race will take place in the rain and they'll obviously then have a yeah. tread pattern on yeah. the tire which then disperses yeah. an awful lot of surface water so are they using a similar sort of technique that a gecko would for being. Wait, Gary,
2: is that, for, do they swap out the tires when it rains? Yeah. Yes, is they that, do. Okay, yeah. got it. It's got a it, different. Okay.
3: It's a different tire with a
1: norm, so normally a with chain. a channel through the middle
0: of the
3: tire, yeah. and then some kind yeah. of a, yeah. mm-hmm. some some type of uh, channeling that moves the
1: water away. Exactly. Yeah. Neil, they'll they'll have a whole team to manage the, to to manage the tire, to manage the setup of the car based yeah, on the totally. weather. Mm-hmm. It could be humidity, temperature. Yeah, I think they should have it also in snow. Just to
4: yeah, <laughs> well, if you watch like if you watch rally, oh, if yeah. you watch yeah. r- rally. They're they're racing on ice, <laughs> which is just crazy. But
1: I know, but they don't have tire changes, no, exactly do they? in, in rallycross. Rally you're right. No, but on yeah, One, you, you have you the luxury of that. But are they able to push that mm. uh, super hydrophobic? So, so
4: the rubber itself is a bit hydrophobic. It is, it does repel water, but really it's the design of those tread patterns that pushes the water out of the way. So like a Formula One, I think it's the 2020 Formula One tires, I need to check, but um they remove, they can remove about 65 liters of water per second. When the car is moving at full speed, like the every single pattern on a tread has been designed to suck the water up, and like Chuck said, kind of push it out the sides of the tire so that the contact is as dry as they can possibly get it. Like there's a limit, right? There's a limit as to how and much. So service. the
3: tire is basically a windshield wiper for the road.
4: Yeah, exactly. A very expensive <laughs> yeah. windshield wiper. A very
3: yeah. expensive windshield wiper. Yeah. So my my question then is, from a material standpoint. Why not just do two things? One, increase the friction of the surface upon which you're driving. Mm-hmm. And two, make it so that the tire becomes more interactive with that frictioned surface or that that, that surface that has more friction. Mm. Right, so Lori, let me tighten up Chuck's
2: question. please. okay. If, if, if the whole point is to have rubber grip into the texture of the track, why not actually chew up the track Mm. so that the rubber is getting so in there, it's not even about friction. It's actually pushing off a vertical... Walls that have been cut into the track as you go around.
4: Yeah, I think I think the argument really is about you want to keep this a, a fast sport, right? And friction, you need some of it in order to you know get the traction on the road to to propel yourself forward. So you do need some friction, but if it's too high, then your car has a very a much lower maximum speed, right? It reduces how fast your car oh, can go. So you've got this right. and it's with friction. So this it's is always the
3: point of equilibrium. Yeah. yeah. You gotta got find that 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 balance point. Yeah, there's always oh, yeah. a balance.
4: Oh. There's always a compromise. Like you need some, but not too much. And then if you're you know, if you're looking, at, if you're looking at like an ice sport, like a, like skiing or something like that, you're looking at trying to minimize friction. But it's always you do need some, but just not everything. Because if you have too much friction, things just grind to a halt.
1: Mm. Laurie, about 50 years ago, Formula One stumbled across a thing called carbon mm, carbon. Mm-hmm. If yep. I'm not mistaken, um, and since then it's been part of the space yeah. shuttle. What's the kind of? What's the connection? Yeah, carbon
4: carbon is one of the materials that's used a lot in Formula One because it's very very strong and it's very very light. Um, and it's used. It's in Formula One's context. It's used in brakes, so it's used as a as a, a, a lightweight way to produce a strong surface um, that you can. You know, interact with, um, and as with most things, you know, they find applications elsewhere. I don't actually know which one came first in terms of carbon carbon, whether it was developed specifically for Formula One or whether it came about as a byproduct of of another industry. Um, but yeah, it is very much a it is very important material now in Formula. Wait, one. Wait, wait, Laurie, yeah. forgive
2: me, but can we be a little more explicit than just saying carbon carbon? carbon, <laughs> carbon?
3: Yeah. Could you could you tell me like what the yeah. hell that is? <laughs> I've heard of Dur- I've I've heard of Duran Duran and. You know. yeah, no, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, and, what, New, and New York, New York. Yeah, you know. New York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Sachi and Saatchi. But, uh, no.
4: So like, yeah, but, yeah, no, no, that's fair point. So like, if you've heard of carbon fiber, you might've heard of that. It's carbon, yeah, course, you know, it's like long strands of, of carbon fiber arranged in some sort of matrix, some sort of polymer. But carbon-carbon is those carbon fibers that have been arranged in a matrix of graphite. So the the actual matrix itself is carbon, but just little flakes of carbon. And then the fibers going through it are these very aligned carbon fibers. So it is carbon and carbon in two different forms, slammed together. So two
2: different forms of carbon. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you threw in like diamond, you'd have carbon, carbon, carbon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Just check, just check. Carbon cubes. uh, (laughs) And and then as we found in the universe, as well as uh, in the lab, there's buckyballs, Mm -hmm. right? Carbon 60, Another form of carbon. Yep. So just throw it all in there. Yeah. Carbon, carbon, carbon.
4: Exactly. Carbon, carbon, Formula
2: carbon. One has the money first, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sure do
1: yeah. <laughs> But they and they use that money to do something that I think a lot of people have been hoping to do for a long time when they've got a KERS system, the kinetic energy recovery mm. uh, system. Yeah. Um and are, how advanced was their thinking to be able to bring that forward for motorsport? But we haven't seen it in the the general public. Uh, you
3: see some. You see a version public. of it.
1: Yeah. Well, and
2: I have. It, I have a, a regenerative braking. Is that the same? Yeah, thing I was going to say story? that's a version of yeah, it. regenerative braking.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah,
4: it is the same thing. So once we started putting electric motors into our cars, that that becomes something that you can. That's a really useful form of, of energy to capture. Yeah.
3: Capture and return
2: mm. to the uh, to the electric motor. Mm-hmm. So, what does it hand it to a flywheel or something, or is it a uh, what what is in what form is it is it recaptured as? Um,
3: As far Yeah, and by the way, you should probably explain the whole concept because clearly we're all familiar and I feel like we're a little inside baseball right
4: now. Yeah, so it's like, it's what the idea... Chuck,
3: we're inside friction, not inside baseball, yeah. (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played.
4: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the regenerative braking is effectively when you put the brake on, you effectively turn your motor into a generator. So you flip it around, you flip around its its, uh, behavior. Um, So it generates electricity. Um, So yeah, in a Formula One car, I believe it is just used in terms of electricity. It is just captured and used elsewhere in the car, but I'm actually not sure. So I won't pretend I know.
2: Wait, wait, just to be clear, uh, you said when you put the brake on, let me let me be, clarify that. What you mean is when you press the brake yep. pedal, yep. brake pads are not touching your wheel. What's happening is the forward motion of your car is getting sucked away yep. back into, is, isn't that what's happening? Yep. Here? Yeah,
3: that's it. Yep. yep. That's that's it. And yeah, that's, yeah. So uh, so it's
2: brilliant. Mm. Your kinetic energy is getting absorbed without even using friction. Yeah, in that right. sense.
4: Yeah, because usually brakes are just about like slamming on the friction as high as possible. But yeah, right.
2: Flintstone right. feet. <laughs> Flintstone. That's what they there, are. There you go. Do they Flintstones. have Flintstones in in New Zealand? I don't know. Yeah, I remember Western them American. as
4: a kid, though. Yeah, I definitely watched the Flintstones. Okay, good. good. The
2: Flintstones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the accelerator pedal and the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's Fred Flintstone's big old three toed feet. <laughs> 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 that's that four fingers and three toes. I, that disturbed me more than the fact
3: that they're living in the Stone Age with. Do you know that with, this is the first time that I have heard that? And I and you're right. I'm pissed. You, you, never, you notice know, I never noticed that? I never noticed. that. Oh my never. gosh.
1: I have never noticed I think at least give that. the man four toes to match his four For fingers. Four fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there something about when the animator draws a hand with four fingers and a thumb, it looks wrong, and so they, that's why they they take away one. Okay, digit. So, so so
2: so Gary, four fingers never looked right to me, okay, ever, and especially not the three toes with his big old caveman feet. So,
3: <laughs> no. but they make we gotta, great we gotta take a break. We're They're talking about regenerative recovery.
2: Of- <laughs> We're talking about friction. We're talking about Formula One. Uh, We got rubber, we got gecko feet, all in one fricking conversation, go figure. Uh, And at the center of all that is Lori Winkless. We'll be right back.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done.
2: We're back, Star Talk Sports Edition. Everything friction and surfaces with one of the world's greatest exponents of this subject that I have ever seen, Laurie Winkless, who's coming to us from from New Zealand. Laurie, thanks for being on Star Talk and and illuminating us with all of your surface wisdom. My pleasure. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> so when someone says, you know, it's only skin deep, you're saying, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where the action is. So, so we've talked about what you've learned sort of scientifically from Mother Nature. And at the end of the day, stuff only really happens if people can make money off of it. If there's sort of product uh, development. Applications. applications that can improve what we already have or invent something new that we never thought we needed. So, do you have some good examples of that maybe?
4: Yeah, I'll give you one that it's still I would say at the research end of the R&D scale, but is pretty exciting and if it works, it could give us boats that never get wet, which I think is pretty cool. Um, it's based
1: Boats that never get wet. They never get wet. No, so. <laughs> wow, that's like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, square sweets. Yeah, exactly, look
4: precisely, Gary.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so wait a minute. Let me let me just put this out. I mean, let me think this through. If the boat never gets wet, but it's moving through water, then that's about as frictionless as you could ever get. Yes, it's just You're moving through air. Super fast boats. Yeah. Is that right?
4: Yeah. And you've got, if you think about the fact that like 90% of the world's trade happens by sea, um, if we could reduce the friction that uh, those massive container ships experience as they move through the water, you reduce the amount of fuel they use you improve the environmental properties of that. So that is like something that a lot of different technologies are attempting to do. And you can already get boats that have a low friction coating on them. But one of the things that I came across and I thought was really cool is there's this fern It's called a salvinia fern, and it's usually like an invasive species. It it forms these massive mats on the surface of of waterways, so it can often cause damage to anything living in the waterway. But the cool thing about it is that it is incredibly hydrophobic. So if you've heard of the lotus effect, which is this idea that the lotus is always pristine water, nothing sticks to it, nothing ever, dirt doesn't touch it. It's kind of like that, but way better. It's way more impressive. And when scientists started to study what it is that makes this plant so good at repelling water, they started by looking at the surface. So in a way, it's kind of gecko-like. It's covered in loads and loads of hairs. And each one of those hairs is shaped a bit like a whisk, right? So it's kind of got four it breaks into four That points that join at the top. The whole leaf and all of these hairs are covered in a waxy surface, which makes it water repellent. But the cool thing is the very tip of that whisk is not water repellent. It's water attracting. It's hydrophilic. It attracts water. So what that means is that you trap a layer of air. The leaf traps a layer of air in its hairs, And because water is pinned onto the top of each one of those hairs, the air can't get out and the water can't penetrate in. So you have this permanent layer of air that the leaf has around itself
3: you're really explaining kind of a microscopic hydrofoil
4: yeah well this is and this is where when like when this when the bot- botanists kind of realize that this is what's going on they manage to recreate it they managed to kind of produce coatings that have a similar structure this combination of hydrophobic so water repellent and hydrophilic water attracting and and capturing this this band of air so what they want to do is develop a coating that you could apply to a boat that retains a layer of air around it permanently, a stable layer of air. Um, and there are some boats that have these, they produce bubbles, like there's an actual system that spurts out bubbles around the edge of a, a boat to try and reduce the friction in a similar way, but it's just not as stable as as something that would be, you know, a solid layer of air.
2: Laurie, I thought I remembered a TV, te- was it a TV commercial? I might have been, I think I was YouTube surfing, I think I was, and I came across uh it was like a container of mayonnaise and a container of ketchup yes two two famously uh bottle sticking substances yeah. that and they just tipped over the mayonnaise and all the mayonnaise just came right out of the yes. container yeah. and they tipped the ketchup bottle and all the ketchup just came nobody was shaking it or pounding it or squeezing it did it have one of these surfaces that you're talking no, about? No, it's
4: actually got another surface that's called... <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, called there's, there's, there's so many, honestly, guys. There's, there's so, so many, many surfaces. are out of
2: control. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, We're <laughs> filthy with surfaces. <laughs> you see now why I
4: had to write a whole book about them? Because they're just amazing. Yeah, um, oh yeah so that's a different material, actually. And what it does is it basically... they they put a coating that's porous, so it's got loads of holes in it, but then those holes are filled with water. So it's kind of using water to stop other liquids from sticking to it. Um, So they've textured it in a way that um, it traps its own little layer of, of, of water so that the ketchup then just falls out or the mayonnaise just falls
2: out. Just to show you how biased we are just as members of civilization, I'm looking at that demo and I'm thinking, what's wrong with the ketchup?
3: Exactly. You know,
2: I'm not eating that ketchup. Yeah, I'm I'm not either. It's a ketchup issue. Not a surface issue. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. thinking to myself. It does because look a bit it creepy. Looks,
3: <laughs> it looks creepy. Yeah, it it's it. You know, it looks creepy. God made ketchup to stick to the inside uh, of the bottle, ev- right? It's <laughs> like seeing peanut butter slide out of a <laughs> jar. <drawer. laughs> That's wrong. If you ever saw peanut butter slide out of anything, walk the other you would direction. Not run. Do. Walk. Run. Don't run. Run. <laughs> don't walk away that from peanut that. Peanut butter is sentient. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, totally. It is quite disturbing. I have to say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about? Um, when you talk about so your um, surfaces that slip and slide, is there anything that can make something more aerodynamic? Like you put a coating on a football, and now you know instead of being able to throw it thirty yards, I can throw it fifty yards or kick it more. Yeah. More importantly.
4: Yeah, yeah, good point. And actually, that's kind of where like golf balls came from as well, because the original golf balls were were smooth, and um, they were made from. Um, Basically, they pack loads of a ball of leather with these feathers, make it really, really hard, smooth surface. But they realized that the ball would travel further when it had been dinged up a bit. So when it had some like dents in it, dents in it. So there was a scientist who decided that this was all a bit too you know, experimental so he wanted to do some proper analysis on it and he designed what we now so you mean know. anecdotal? Yeah, anecdotal, yeah, yeah sorry anecdotal. excuse me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he wanted yeah. to do some proper mm-hmm. experiments um, and yeah he designed a pattern which is now what we know as a golf ball pattern, this dimpled pattern and that reduces the drag on a golf ball by playing with the way that the air flows around it and and this the formation of these little vortexes, these little areas of low pressure um it that that dimple pattern kind of makes it plays around with turbulence uh, in an or, in a way to reduce drag so like a dimpled ball will travel about about twice as far as a smooth golf ball of the same dimensions
2: so so it's really traveling in its own pocket mm. of of low friction air. Yeah. Is that a fair way yeah, to say like that? Yeah, like
4: everything moving through the air has a layer of Kind of stuck air molecules right on its surface, and as the air as you get further away from the surface, the air moves more and more and more. And um, you know, air
2: sticks to me all the time. Yeah, I, I try to
4: <laughs> exactly. It's a pain. It's so sticky. You just don't even realize. So <laughs>
1: no, who's ever thinking that way? <laughs> so, Laurie, it, is is that is that the sort of thing that's going on with an aircraft, say that was flying at thirty thousand feet? The temperature outside, the air temperature outside, is minus something yeah, yeah. silly, right? Forty below. And yet, there's. Yeah. And yet there's a, an issue for mm. overheating. What 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 are we experiencing?
4: Yeah, it's exactly that? that. It's skin friction. So it's effectively the air molecules oh. bashing into other air molecules that are stuck onto the surface of, of the aircraft. And even though at, at many, it depends on the altitude, of course, but the density of air can be lower than it is... On this, on the surface of the Earth, there's still plenty of air molecules to bash into one another. So the the mo- moving through the especially air...
2: especially at 500 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. Right? Moving the whole-
4: through the air at yeah. high speeds, you are causing massive transfers of kinetic energy. You know, you are co- you are bashing air molecules out of the way like crazy, and in that process, you you lose some some of that kinetic energy transforms into heat energy, transforms into that the high temperatures on the surface. So like a lot of the very, very high speed aircrafts are and like re-entry vehicles, they've been designed their their surface chemistry has been really particularly designed to be able to cope with that happening on their surface. That's why you know heat heat um shields are so important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean we've discussed surfaces contacting mm. each other, but we haven't discussed how we as humans interact yeah. with surfaces, particularly through mm. our own skin. What what happens at a molecular level when we are touching and feeling surfaces? And how do I become Spider-Man with my own
3: form of gecko feet. Well, yeah,
4: does it do that? I think it's at San Diego uh, <laughs> University, Chuck, who could sort you out. He developed a, a climber based on the gecko tape. So he managed to scale a building, <laughs> well, a few stories of a building on his own oh, Wow, gecko. really? Yeah, yeah, Elliot Hawks. That's what they
2: do at Stanford. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was in that Stanford Weird lab, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Masters. yeah, yeah. But, but it is true, however, there are some things, um, you know, sometimes, I don't know, it depends on how oily or not your skin is, there could be something on a on a on the ground that you just touch it and it stick like a, a playing card. Maybe will stick to your finger. Mm. Sometimes a penny might stick mm. to your finger. Yeah, um, some light little things will stick to your finger. Yeah, but I don't want to claim gecko powers. Nah. Um. So what's going on with that when that happens? It's
4: basically mm. that we're a bit damp. <laughs> <laughs> humans oh, oh, have this I, constant I layer I thought it was going to be a deep
3: explanation Lori No unfortunately <laughs> <not>. <laughs> we're just a it, bit, it's just, we're just a bit, that we're uh, we're sweating
4: yeah <laughs> we just have water on us and uh usually that's enough to you get a, effectively a capillary force, the the water that, are you know, we're, we are producing water all the time. We respire. Um, so we are constantly covered in a little very thin layer of water. And sometimes that means that we can, you know, stick a, a spoon to our nose or we can pick up a piece of paper just by touching it.
3: Oh, I thought it was the vaccine that made that happen. No, no. <laughs> sticking the, sticking <laughs> yeah. things to you. I <laughs> thought it was the vaccine. Just like got vaccinated. <laughs> Look at me. I'm magnetic now. Uh <laughs> no, who's gonna fix this?
1: Ow. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Laurie, before before we 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 have to let you go, sadly. Um we, I mean, be thrilled by the gecko. I think we all have. Um hey, Lori, can you join the other... show? Yeah, can sure. Be a, um, no a problem. It's <laughs> <time. 'Cause you're>... good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: um,
1: are there any other species out there that are kind of like owning it?
4: Yes. Like the gecko. Yes. Sharks. Ooh,
1: go on.
3: Sharks. What? Sharks Ooh. are... F- furry, furry, sharks. cuddly they sharks.
4: They are
3: just perfect. Um, <laughs> okay, but wait a minute. Why would a shark need to grip anything oh she's the, what have, talking about surfaces the offices. Just, just, ju- yeah just oh, see, oh how they owns, move through the
2: water who owns their surface yeah. yes yeah there you okay. go keep okay keep going i'm Laurie. still stuck on gecko, No, I, don't I get
3: you there. I, I see what yeah. you did there <laughs> stuck on gecko yes
2: okay <laughs> yay go on, yeah, no sharks are D- don't mind chuck just ignore <laughs> him go. go
4: sharks are incredible um if you look at their skin and uh, you don't even have to have a particularly fancy microscope Don't do this to a living shark, right? I'm talking about like a museum. (laughs) Don't touch a shark. Um, But their skin is covered in these features called dermal denticles. And they're like very tiny um, scales. They're kind of like scales, but they're actually 3D. They're, They're a real structure. And what scientists have realized is that we kind of knew that the shape and the placement of those denticles all over a shark's body must have something to do with reducing drag. It must have something to do with making it easier for them to move through the water. But what scientists realized in more recent years is that what's happening with these dermal denticles is that on some parts of a shark's body, it's it's the flow of water around this denticle actually behaves in a way as if it's gone in reverse so it's as if the water is actually pushing the shark forward it's not just reducing drag it's actively helping the shark to accelerate through the
3: water so the shark is drafting itself yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that yeah is unbelievable yeah
4: they're, they're okay incredible. but wait a minute
3: but yeah. laurie let's
2: let's bring in some evolution here <laughs> yeah. because no i got a question uh, I, I, You know, I, don't, I, I can't claim to have hung out with sharks, okay? So I don't know of what I speak, but I don't pic- picture sharks uh, in high speed pursuit of their prey. Mm-hmm. I picture them stalking their prey, all right? And, and so why would speed have been selected for in their skin water surfaces, if that's not really what they're doing.
4: Very good point. Um, they I think the kind of the idea around it now is that these denticles have a different role to play on different parts of the body. So they're different sizes and shapes depending on and they they differ between species of sharks as well. So some sharks are more of a they're more about speed, they're more about reducing drag. But in terms of Increasing speed and reducing drag—really, what that does is it decreases the amount of energy a shark needs to use to push its way right. through oh, the water. Of course, of
3: course. And, and importantly, importantly, because sharks have to move in order to breathe, you would want that to—you um, you would easy. like that okay. to be as as easy as yeah. possible. Because when you do need to go hunt, you, you, you haven't used there. up okay. all your energy yeah. swimming you around, so you can breathe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll give you that because I, I just know that if sharks
2: were fast-moving chase you down to meet predators, then you couldn't have that slow cello in Jaws. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. You know, that, 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 that. Is it a
3: cello or a bass? Dun-dun, dun-dun. No, it's, it is. A, I think you're right. It's a cello. It's a cello. Yeah.
2: So, so whichever it is, it's like, that's not the music you hear of something rapidly chasing something no. else. So it all worked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It all worked out yeah. for the movie. And
3: point. by the way, we're gonna need a bigger book. <laughs> Thank you,
2: Chuck. I, you know, I thought you were above that,
3: Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I That's not have to the lowest it. hanging fruit. If that fruit was already on the ground. If you ever mention Jaws, I have to say that. I can't. I have to. <laughs> it's a law. <laughs>
2: So, Lori, we got to. I think we got to close this out. Sure. Uh, do you have a social media we can track you down on?
4: Yeah, I'm on Twitter, like way too much. So I'm at Lori underscore winkless um, on there.
2: And winkless just wink and then less. Yes,
4: wink less.
2: Very good. And and your books. Tell me the titles again. Oh, They're yeah. so great. So uh,
4: sticky is just out. It's literally just came out a month ago in the US. Um, so sticky: the secret science of surfaces. And my older book is. Um, science and the city and that's all about how cities work and, and what happens in the in the metropolis.
2: This is beautiful. I love it. I love it. And what are you working on now? What can we in the future? Because we, we totally want to bring you back. So give us an excuse Thank to you. bring you back. So.
4: Um, well, what I'm working on right now is an article on chocolate making, physics of chocolate making, which is something that I'm finding quite interesting. Um, but I've no new. Okay, let's,
3: can we book you tomorrow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to about it.
4: Yeah. By the way,
3: by the way, can we uh, can we uh, can we do some research for you? <laughs>
4: yeah, I'll send you yeah. some
2: samples. Uh,
3: but, okay. Yeah,
4: nothing else immediate. No, no more books in the immediate pipeline. Anyway, take a break for a little while. <laughs>
2: Very cool. So, all right, guys, we call it, We, we, we got to end it there. So, uh, Gary, Chuck, always good to have you doing this, man. Pleasure. Pleasure. All right, and Lori, it's been a delight to have you on this program. We learned so much about stuff we didn't even know there was something to learn about. So that's always a good day. Uh, it, it, at least for me, and I'm sure for thanks. Chuck and Gary. Oh, it was super fun! All right, I
4: listened to the show, so it was really fun to to be on it. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay,
2: well, thanks. You're a fan. <laughs> nice, uh, excellent, excellent. So, I hope we lived up to your expectations. <laughs> uh, you certainly exceeded ours. Oh, so, you. all right, this has been Star Talk Sports Edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson, as always, bidding you to keep looking up.